welcome to Be Yoga, live with Jenny B. I'm your host, Jenny B, coming to you from Montreal, Canada. So it's snowing outside, raining, something's falling from the sky. I'm here in Montreal, I'm not sure what is up in the area that you are watching or listening from, um, but, but not that long ago, real snow fell. And I don't know about you, but my kids were super excited to see that first snowfall, as they are every year. I was a little less excited, but it is beautiful, especially on this sunny day. But when we woke the next morning, all the fluffy snow had melted into a slushy mess, as it does every year. It comes and it goes, a few times, and then it sticks around for a while, and then it melts again. And then we have some kind of spring and some months of summer and then fall and so on. And that same morning where it, it melted, we looked out at the slushy mess and it, it just so happened that I was sad, more than a little heartbroken. Um, my five-month relationship, I suppose we could call it a fling, had just come to an end. It all just melted away. And that was nearly a year to the day that my 10-year marriage ended. Wait. And out of nowhere, I heard that Guns N' Roses song. Should I sing it? Maybe I'll sing it. Oh dear, there are people watching live, but I'm gonna sing it. Nothing lasts forever, and we both know hearts can change. And it's hard to hold a candle in the cold November rain. And I laughed so maniacally that it scared my kids because it was November and Axel Rose was right. Every single relationship in your life will end. And that's a fact. Another fact, one day you'll die. And this is the law of impermanence. And it's spoken about in Buddhism, in Hinduism, even in ancient Greece. There's this beautiful quote by Heraclitus. No man ever steps in the same river twice. Known as the weeping philosopher, he insisted that flux or constant change is the fundamental essence of the universe, as did the Buddha. And in the Hindu trilogy of gods, this represents the idea so perfectly. Brahma creates, Vishnu preserves, and Shiva destroys, and they all work together again and again. And as sweet as a relationship might be, one day it will end, either because one or both people ended it, or, well, because one of you died. And I think this idea of life's impermanence, of the impermanence of everything is being put in our face in a very real way these days, whether we like it or not. People are afraid of COVID. They're scared, and somewhere in there is the fear of death. But if death in one way or another is inevitable, then what is there to be afraid of? Now, before this gets grimmer and grimmer, the point I maybe haven't made yet is that same law of impermanence means that the shitty stuff eventually ends too. Ça va bien aller, n'est-ce pas? Yoga studios will not be closed forever. Some of them will survive, and one day we'll see a smiling, unmasked face on a mat next to us again. We'll drink tea together. One day we'll be able to go to a restaurant again on our first date or on an eight year anniversary and sit face to face and we'll laugh or maybe we'll fight. 
I use the idea of impermanence as a birth educator and as a prenatal yoga teacher all the time. I like to get students into a rather uncomfortable position, like toe pose. I don't know if you know the one where you tuck your toes underneath your body and you sit back on your heels. For most people, this is a really intense posture, and I encourage you to try it out if you have not yet. And we might sit in chair pose against the wall for a long time. And whatever the uncomfortable position is, we, we practice being there in our discomfort. We use breath, we use visualization, affirmation, vocalization. We use anything we can to sit in that discomfort that is as inevitable as death. And while we might not want to refer to a contraction or a surge as pain, it's certainly an intense sensation. And it's a sensation that we know is eventually going to end. And the pregnant body really is a perfect example of impermanence. The changes that we see and the changes that we feel on a daily basis. And the pregnancy itself, of course, isn't permanent. It's 40 weeks or so, and then we're on to something different. As any of you know who have experienced it, we're on to observing the constant shifting, changing, evolving of the human that we birthed. And if watching that doesn't clue us into life's constant change, what does? I often remind students and clients of my, to remember this, the sleepless nights don't last forever. Neither does the cluster feeding or the teething. And one day they learn to roll and crawl and talk and walk. And breastfeeding ends. They sleep on their own. They're off to school and I guess before you know it, university in a blink of Brahma's eye. And for anyone out there who practices the asana aspect of yoga, we experience impermanence again and again. I like the example of Pachimottanasana. So it's a seated forward fold where your legs are extended out ahead of you and you fold over the legs. And because most of us have tight hamstrings, this is quite a difficult posture. It can be pretty intense. And a while back, I was doing this pose with the rest of the Shivananda's 12 postures, practicing every single day. And very quickly, I felt that pose go deeper and deeper, my belly getting closer to the thighs each day, able to touch the toes. And then I actually needed to take a block and place it in front of my feet so that I had something further to grab onto if I wanted to feel the stretch. It changed and it evolved so quickly with the practice. And it was exciting. And then I stopped for a week or so and I was back where I was at the beginning. And it's the same for headstand, it's the same for any of our postures, they're always changing. Another good example for myself is Gomukhasana. You have your hands interlocked behind the back, one elbow up, one elbow down. A number of years ago, my fingers easily found each other back there. And even though I still get into this pose a couple times a week, they don't, they don't tend to want to touch each other anymore. It's not happening. And my younger self would be super frustrated and annoyed, but now she just shrugs and realizes easy come, easy go. And that's exactly what the practice is supposed to be. We're learning how to let go. We're learning how to surrender. We, res we surrender to the understanding that nothing is permanent. But Mama... What about this tattoo? My nine-year-old asked me, running her finger over the, the big one on my arm. She said, tattoos are permanent. Which I told her, 
explaining why at nine years old she couldn't get one. <laughs> and then I said to her, well, you can have them lasered off. And her eyes tripled in size. And that same kid, just the other night, she randomly said to me, Mama, can you please not change anything for at least a year? To which I responded, because we were in the middle of these kinds of conversations, but everything is always changing, you know that. And she said, but like, can you not move any furniture and stuff? And I said, yeah, that sounds easy enough. And then she gave this metaphor that cracked me in half. Imagine a reef, she said, and you can go swimming there and the water's always moving and everything in the water is moving around. But then there's this big rock, like an island. So you can sit there and you can have a picnic and stuff. But if the rock goes underwater, everything will get washed away. And then there's no cake. She was asking me to be the rock. It's such a beautiful metaphor, I said to her. And then she said, what's the metaphor? <laughs> I can be your rock, I assured her. But as you get older, you need to be your own rock, steady in the waves. Does that make sense? She nodded and she closed her eyes and she fell asleep in my left armpit as she has most nights of her life. She says she wants to live with me forever and I just laugh because it's the same thing I used to say to my mom. Understanding impermanence allows us to embrace the coming and going of all things and to really appreciate the sweetness when it's there without of course getting too attached to it. The Buddhists speak of the importance of equanimity. And as much as we shouldn't be adverse to the bad or the uncomfortable things like topos or, or death or divorce, it's also to not be craving the good things. We stay neutral and we find the common ground. The word anicca, oh my God, have you ever done a 10 day Vipassana sit? This is the ultimate way to understand impermanence. The Pali word, or it's a nitya in Sanskrit, means something like this too shall pass. It means impermanence. And you need it to really understand it as you sit there still as a statue in meditation, in silence, day after day after day. And as sad and scary as the idea can be, impermanence actually brings me comfort. It's because of impermanence that we have variety, whether it's the seasons I mentioned a moment ago, or our ability to continue to grow and evolve. Life would be pretty boring if everything was always the exact same, wouldn't it? The irony, I think, of this relationship of mine ending was that it mostly ended now because we knew it would end in the future. We knew for various reasons that happily ever after likely wasn't in our cards. And one or both of us didn't see a future together. So we threw out the only thing that was certain, which was the present moment. And that present moment, I have to say, was, was pretty damn sweet. But just like the good things that come to an end, 
This fragile heart of mine will feel strong again soon. And as Sufi poet Rumi wrote, you have to keep breaking your heart until it opens. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to seeing you next week where we'll chat with one of my first teachers of Ayurveda, Dominic Tambuzo, about Ayurveda and DNA and how maybe our DNA, like everything else, can change. Peace.